Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. We're going to be talking about the news out of the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is, uh, I'm sorry to say, not great news. Uh, and it's uh, something we need to talk about. Uh, please leave a like on the video on YouTube and send us your super chats with any questions or just voicings of an opinion or support. I'm here with a guy who is, well, not Iranian himself, but uh, his ancestors uh, supposedly numbered only 300 Fended off an entire Persian army, if we're to believe Hollywood. I'm just kidding. The battle definitely happened, but there's a lot I don't know about it. Anyway, I'll stop talking and hand it over to Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Thank you very much, Raka. Uh, just to let people know, I will have to leave after like 20 minutes. It's not because I'll be angry with something that Raka said. It's just a programmed uh, ex. Could be both. Could be both. So what's happening in Iran? So... Some uh, earlier this month, a 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman by the name of Masa Amini died while in custody of the Iranian police. Now, we don't know exactly how she died. She had a heart failure. There are allegations that she was being mistreated by the police. Uh, the Iranian state says it's uh, actually trying to figure out what happened. So it's not exactly clear how she died, but we know that she died in custody. The other thing that we know which is important is why was she in custody? She was in custody for not complying with Iran's veiling laws. And she was arrested by what we could call the morality police. Now, what are the veiling laws? Since 1979, and since the victory of the Iranian revolution against the Shah and the, the, the victory within the Iranian revolution of the hardline Islamists led by Khomeini, there is this law that says that women must wear hijabs that must cover their hair, their neck, and their uh, actually their whole head. And also they must conceal their hair. That's why keep the hair thing in mind it's going to be useful soon so this morality police arrested this woman who apparently did not cover her head uh, properly and while she was in custody she died now tens of thousands of women are arrested every year for uh, failing to confront to the hijab uh, to the hijab policy uh, quite often they might get away only with a warning or they bring up a husband or a guardian who signs a paper who says, I'm going to make sure she wears it from now on. But there have been incidents of uh, mistreatment and uh, of beatings. And there's allegations that this is what happened this time. Now, soon the news spreads and this led to protests. So there have been protests in tens of cities for weeks. There have been many people dying in this protest. So according to the regime, more than 40 people. So it's official that people have uh, died. And according to uh, groups that are closer to the protesters and human rights organizations, we have more than 70 people who have died in these protests. Now, there are various angles we can discuss. The one angle is what has been the reaction by the West. Another angle is uh, why is it that so many times revolts in Iran, because we've seen revolts in the past, 2009, the beginning of uh, the early 2001. Why is it that they keep failing? Why is that the Iranian regime manages to survive? And also 
my the, the thing that makes me most furious why is it that Iran has friends in the West and the friends are not the usual suspects? You would think like hardline leftists or people who hate the United States are the libertarians who are the useful idiots and the the people who give sanction to the regime. I mean, that's in the big scheme of things, that's not very important, but it tells us something. So these are various angles. So again, we only have like 20 minutes today. So Raka, which angle you want to you want to take? And let's see also what our friends in the super chats and the comments, which of these aspects are you mostly interested in? Probably we're gonna have more than one episode on the protest, but this is the general overview of what is happening. Well, there's a lot of different things we could focus on. I remember in 2008, uh, Iranian students, uh, mostly I think they were students, they were protesting. And I think they were protesting, just saying they want more freedom or they want less religious rule. And the media was all over it. And then Michael Jackson died. And then that was all the media would focus on. And by the time uh, the Michael Jackson story faded away, uh, you didn't hear much about uh, Iran. At least uh, that was the case in the U.S. Um, so, I mean, generally, um, why do... Uh, uh, why do free countries have such a hard time identifying that Iran is like the fountainhead of Islamic militant causes? Uh, not only is Iran like financially training and educating, you know, Islamists around the world, that is people that wish to impose Islamic law on the world, but uh, most important, most significantly, perhaps Iran is the model to follow. They, they kind of showed the world in the first place that Islam can rule, that the West can be defeated or at least fought and, you know, defeated in in bits and pieces, as they did by taking Americans hostage and never suffering the consequences, as they did by repeatedly targeting Western and American targets, uh, uh, taking uh, American property and European property, et cetera, and by, uh, you know, supporting Islamists around the world and not suffering the consequences. So, uh, what, what is it that uh, disables or uh, sort of mentally seems to like psychologically um, paralyze the West when it comes to facing this? I think I would offer that one of the reasons is that in the West, we don't have any moral conviction, generally speaking. We mostly don't have any moral conviction and religious zealots. They've got moral conviction. They know what they believe and they're very clear about it. So what does it take for Americans or for Westerners to speak out against Iran? It's when it's women's rights, right? Like a woman's women are being forced to cover their hair. So we, we should speak out because we know, you know, um, sticking up for minorities is something we can have moral zealotry about even here in the West, especially on that topic. So, you know, so if Iranians are specifically targeting women's rights or they're specifically hurting gay people, it's, it's things like that, then we're able to speak out. But um, but if Iranians in general are targeting Westerners or they're generally oppressing people without singling out any particular group, but just generally people in Iran are subjugated horribly, um, that's not something that Westerners mostly have the courage to speak out about, because, again, we in the West are skeptics. We're morally uh, ambiguous. We, we we still aren't sure what reality even is, given our philosophical training, whereas the Islamic Republic of Iran knows exactly what it stands for. So 
you, two things on what you said. The one is the role of uh, women in this protest. So maybe this is one of the reasons why many people in the West this time seem to be more sensitive. And this is a this is a good thing. So many of the protests are led by women and part of the protest is burning their hijabs and letting their hair uh, blow in the in in the in the wind and uh, sorry wave in the wind or they they go out uh, with the hair style, with uh, the hair being uh, being visible. So this is the one thing. The other thing is uh, understanding the role of Iran and why people fail to understand this. So recently I encouraged people to check out a daily objective I did I think two weeks ago. It's called Understanding uh, Evil Iran. So it's it's part of the Understanding Evil series. And one of the things I hadn't understood about Iran, as you said, it's the fountainhead of Islamic radicalism is, look, the vast, vast, vast majority of, is, of Islamist radicals are Sunnis. And Iran is Shiite. So I was like, okay, the only allies of Iran is basically Hezbollah and uh, the Shiites of Iraq. That's very not the case. So, for example, Hamas are Sunnis, but they are allies of Iran. Every single radical Islamist movement has been influenced by the Islamic, the Iranian revolution of 1979, including Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, which is the biggest uh, geopolitical and ideological, let's say, enemy of Iran in the inter-Islamic uh, uh, feud, they have also been influenced by the Iranian revolution. So don't, don't fall for this thing that the people who want to sanction Iran say, well, they're Shiites, and basically if we just leave them alone, they will not do anything. No, Iran cannot be left alone because Iran literally has in its constitution, as I explained in the solo episode, that the revolution needs to be expanded abroad. This is why parts of the revolutionary guards, the paramilitary slash quasi-state uh, uh, organization, which is uh, in a way ruling Iran together with the supreme leader and the, the, cler the clergy, they have a specific division, the Quds forces, Quds means Jerusalem, which are the forces that are supposed to liberate Jerusalem, which are supposed to operate abroad. So Iran wants to export the revolution. So we cannot quote, it's not that Iran wants to quote, be left alone. It's you only have to be a, a libertarian who completely you shut your eyes to reality to believe that. Now, why is it that most revolutions in Iran, I mean, all revolutions since 1979, all revolts fail? We talked about the morality police. Part of the morality police are the militias of the Basids. The Basids is another division of the Revolutionary Guards. So Revolutionary Guards are the most important power within Iran. And they have huge stakes for two reasons. The one is that, as Raka said, they take their ideology seriously. But also, they run most of Iran's economy. So Iran is run by ideological, let's say, mystics and armed thugs. It's what Ayn Rand described as Attila and the witch doctor. And this is a very powerful coalition. So Iran is not a regime like Saddam Hussein's Iraq, where you just have some thugs who are power lasters. No. With Iran, you have people who take the ideology and the regime very, very, very seriously. So it's, what, it's a regime that it's not so easy to topple. And... 
we can discuss also about what the West did, but let's see, Raka, if you have anything on any of that. I mean, yeah, again, it's there's always so much to explore. I mean, even in a secular dictatorship like uh, Iraq, Saddam Hussein's Iraq, even there, there is a uh, like a mystical element where they're telling the people, you yeah. know, this is like I'm not ruling over you, Saddam Hussein. I'm not ruling over you for me because I'm selfish. No, I'm doing this for you, the people. And you should also not be selfish. You know, don't protest and don't uh, take issue yeah. with how I'm running things. So but then with Iran, yeah, there's the religious component, which is uh, which is huge. And as far as I know, the Iranian people, they don't really have much of an answer uh, philosophically. They're just something uh, that they something uh, in, in their in their desire to live a better life, which is, you know, seems very healthy. But if they were if they did happen to be successful in, uh, you know, getting rid of their government, I don't really know what would be next. I wonder if it would be like a parliamentary system installed or would it get would it be a secular dictator that took over? Um, now, I hate to say it, but I'd rather see them under a secular dictator who at least would not be, you know, ideologically motivated to export Islamic uh, terror. And it would probably take some of the wind out of the spirit of the, uh, you know, the the Al Qaeda's of the world and the ISIS's of the world. But anyway, I mean, it, it's all speculation at this point. Um, what wouldn't it be great if the Iranian people and the, the protesters, the students, if they had a philosophy that. Um, supported their protest, that philosophy that said, I, the individual, have a right to live for my own sake. I doesn't matter where in the world I am. I have the right not to have force initiated against me. And, you know, and I, you know, I'm here to, uh, you know, to channel, you know, the, the Greeks. I'm here to channel the, 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 the Brits and the Scots. I'm here to channel the, you know, the Russian slash American rand. I'm here to, you know, I'm channeling the great philosophers. And that's, and that's who I'm, uh, kind of bringing into this discussion about what comes after we topple this government. And if the Iranians uh, had such a philosophy that they were articulating with the world's cameras pointed at them, I mean, what an inspiring thing and what an informative moment that would be. And most importantly, they would have moral courage. They would have more, a moral leg to stand on. So it wouldn't just be that, you know, they want that they want to uh, to freely uh, expose their hair, etc. It's that they know they have a right to and that uh, they know that the way they're being treated by their regime is ethically wrong. Um, it would be a powerful thing. And of course, the philosophy that would uh, lend itself to their cause is uh, the one that we're promoting here on the channel, Ayn Rand's yeah. objectivism. Unfortunately, leading up to the Iranian revolution of 1979, almost every ideology was present in the in the camp that was against the Shah, except anything that has to do with liberalism. So every shade of communism, every shade of leftism, every shade of Islamo-leftism till, uh, radical, till the radical Islam, but uh, not, uh, not uh, the ideas of freedom. Okay, let's talk a bit about the reactions in the West. We won't have time to talk about the pathetic uh, creeps of the libertarian uh, party but we should do a whole episode about that because it's the, one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. But let's talk about the reaction of the West in general. So in 2009, uh, what the, the, the events that you were referring earlier were protests that came after some elections in Iran. But then Barack Obama was very hesitant in supporting the protest. And there were two reasons. The one reason was obviously that the discussions about the nuclear deal 
uh, he didn't want to jeopardize this approach with Iran. But also the official the official uh, line of uh, the Democrats would be that if we supported the protest, we would actually blow wind to the to 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 the argument of the the Iranian regime that the CIA is behind the protests. And my answer to this would be, so what? <laughs> Uh, it's it's they're buying into this idea that says that oh you don't have a right to intervene in any other country you don't have a right to intervene in any other country that defends uh, the the people's rights the individual rights which is the role of the government this is like saying oh you don't have the right to invade someone's home of course you don't but if that in that home you have torture or rape taking place of course you have a right to invade Anyway, so 2009, the government was very timid. This time now, you will hear people saying that Joe Biden has done way more than Obama did in 2009. So what did Biden do? So he condemned Iran from, uh, from the United Nations. But also, he has, uh, provide, he has encouraged the, the relevant services to provide with satellite internet the Iranian protesters because the Iranian regime is trying to control the internet. And also WhatsApp and Instagram, we say bad things about the big tech, but this time, so they're trying to keep uh, WhatsApp and Instagram going in Iran. And the third thing that the United States have done is that they have given uh, sanctions to the morality police. Now, I find this a bit weird. This is like saying we don't want to do anything against the regime itself, but we are going to sanction the, the morality police or as it is officially, officially called the, uh, how is it called? Uh, the, anyway, it's, it's, it's not officially called morality police, but that's what it's, it basically is. This is the equivalent of in 1943 saying that we are not going to sanction Nazi Germany, we're going to sanction the Gestapo. That doesn't make sense. What does it mean you're going to sanction the Gestapo? You're going to give uh, sanctions to the Gestapo. The Gestapo is part of a whole mechanism. The morality police is part of the state mechanism. And the state mechanism, including the morality police, I mean, if you see the directors of the morality police, most of them, almost all of them, are everyone in the high-ranking places, are former revolutionary guards, are people who are loyal and close to the regime. So what is the United States trying to do? They're trying to show that they're doing something, but at the same time, they don't want to push it too much. Again, perhaps because Biden has in the back of his head, or I mean, not the back of his head, openly, wants to consider returning to the table and cutting a new deal with Iran. Again, the idea is that if we, if we give Iran what, it's, what it wants when it comes to the sanctions, maybe they will change which again shows a complete lack of understanding of what motivates Iran. Iran doesn't want to flourish. Iran doesn't, I mean, the regime, not everyone, not obviously common people. They don't want to flourish. They don't want, quote, security. They want to live and die with their ideas. Right. And uh, collectivism is huge. Uh, people, they, they can't escape it until they're willing to really, really face the implications of real individualism. Um, so, yeah, if 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 it's uh, if the Iranian uh, morality police is seen as representing the interests of the people, then Westerners, we can't bring ourselves to condemn it. And uh, you remember the Arab Spring? Um, you had 
you know, uh, kind of protests which became violent around the Arab world. This was around 2010 or so. And, uh, you know, people like Obama and Vice President Biden, they they kind of like voiced their support. And in some cases, I think, ended up arming the rebels in a place like Syria, where they were protesting against a uh, secular dictator similar to Saddam Hussein. But in Iran, barely a peep. Barely. I remember Vice President Biden gave a speech where he says, you know, congratulations to Egypt on, on getting rid of your dictator. And I'll say, Iran, listen to your people. Listen to what they're saying. He said, oh, yeah. So so kind of you to, you know, offer that advice to the Iranian government. You know, you should really listen to your people. So basically, whatever, quote, the people want, you know, win. So, you know, if, if we see them gathering in mass and saying, you know, we want change in Iran, then it's legitimate. But one Iranian. Just one Iranian saying, I don't want the, uh, to live in a theocracy. I have a right to my own life. Nobody would, would pay much attention to that. So if, it's seen, if, if, if the Iranian regime is perceived, if they're considered to be representing the interests of the people, right? If they're enforcing the morality that the people want enforced, then no one would have a problem with that virtually in the West. We only have a problem when it's seen to be sort of a collective bargaining uh, issue that uh, where the collective is not being properly represented. It's uh, it's pretty uh, sad, but uh, we at least we have the clarity to see that this is collectivism at play. This is the lack of uh, individualism, the lack of the embrace of selfishness. People need they need to be selfish. I know we have uh, basically two minutes left before you need to leave. Um, uh, Phil with 10 pounds says the obscene irony of our evolution when idiots succumb to mysticism, the barbarism of a theocracy. At the same time, humans can crash a satellite into an asteroid millions of miles away in space. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll take the word evolution to be metaphorical or poetic there. It's not, I don't think evolution is, is uh, put us in this case. I think we, we're evolutionarily equipped to all of us be rational. But uh, sadly or I'll say for better and for worse, all technology needed to be discovered, including philosophical technology, so to speak. And then it takes a long time sometimes for technology to be embraced by people because people fear the unknown. I mean, uh, it's interesting that even for military affairs, <laughs> almost mm -hmm. any type of technology that Iran has is from somewhere else. So it's not oh, yeah. that they are good, even at, even at destruction, <laughs> They, they, most of their technology comes from uh, their allies, like uh, Russia, predictably. Anyway, got to, got to go. One last uh, announcement. People can now also follow me on TikTok while I post uh, short clips, different from, uh, so for this type of stuff, I put a lot of hours for the daily objective, a lot of hours of research. On TikTok, it's more like rants from my car on things that get to my mind uh, regarding whatever I think on that time or uh, short clips with highlights from uh, the daily objective. So if you want, check me out on Twitter with uh, you mean TikTok, not... yeah. TikTok. So, I'll see you all next week. I leave you to the capable hands of Fraga. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Nikos. Good luck out there on TikTok, reaching the youth. Always uh, with his finger on the pulse, that Nikos. All right. Uh, we got another super chat from Phil saying, thanking us for our, the courage of our rationality. Uh, Enric with 499 American says, if our government wants a nuclear deal, it should be with a government that respects its its citizens. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't you don't make I mean, a deal made with a dictator is uh, hardly worth the paper it's written on. I mean, it's it's silly. I mean, the 
the, the one of the most eerie things about the world as the culture today is the way that dictators are treated with any level of legitimacy. And this has been the case throughout the 20th century. Imagine living through that as people like Ayn Rand did and many other people that are still alive, kind of watching this happen before their eyes, uh, that a free country like America should join would join a an organization with the USSR, with, you know, various uh, dictatorships in Africa, with communist China, and just basically treat them like a like a these dictators and these oppressors as if they're reasonable people that are worth dealing with. Not to say that America or and Western Europe should necessarily go to war with every dictatorship, but have a moral backbone uh, and definitely don't give them anything. Don't give them aid. Don't don't prop up these dictatorships as Western countries did. So, yeah, I mean, uh, as bad as things are today, just imagine Imagine the 20th century, all the bloodshed, all the millions upon millions of deaths and and the fact that Western countries uh, could barely could barely wag their finger at it and, and could barely stop sending them money as they were murdering all these millions. I think uh, in effect, in, in, uh, in essence, uh, the world is not as bad today. Um, today, we do sort of um, I don't know. There's plenty wrong with the way the West treats dictatorships today, as I'm sort of uh, as I began this monologue by saying we, we, we treat dictators like uh, like respectable players. But, you know, I like to think that if today, you know, Mao Zedong was letting 100 million people starve. Um, I don't know, maybe we wouldn't be uh, propping them up. But as I'm saying that, I'm remembering us going over to North Korea and uh, treating little rocket man like he's uh, a respectable human being. While in North Korea, in addition to the uh, rampant misery and starvation in the country in general, if you go into the concentration camps, if you go into the, you know, the prisons within the prison, uh, you have third generation prisoners there. So if you fought for South Korea in the Civil War way back in the 1950s, the, one, the punishment includes that not only you, but your, your kids and their kids all are to be born live and die within the confines of a concentration camp. So that's uh, that's North Korea. And that's who uh, America's president uh, went and did a photo op with. Absolutely disgraceful, um, which is why we need philosophy. We need an ethical leg to stand on. Um, and yeah, a nuclear deal with Iran. I mean, yeah, Nikos was talking about how uh, pathetic the Iranians are technologically, and they're still struggling to build their first nuclear bomb and all all Western countries can barely do is just kind of like stand around and kind of hope they don't do it. And I don't know, just kind of maybe look the other way while Israel sends in uh, covert ops to, uh, to, to, to whack their scientists or to, uh, I don't know, shut down their plants. Folks, I mean, uh, you know, I, Iranians are human beings, right? They're not, they're not animals, but their intellectual level on some, like in, in, contempor in contemporary times, is not much more advanced than uh, a lesser species because of the philosophy they've embraced. And we won't just deal with them as such. We won't just prevent them from building a bomb and just, you know, knock down their regime and just make it very clear that attacking us will not be tolerated. This is why we need philosophy. This is why we need ethics. So folks, um, read Ayn Rand and support the work of Ayn Rand by supporting an organization such as this one. All right, everybody. 
Uh, good luck to the Iranian protesters. I uh, do like to think a lot of them do have a great head on their shoulders. They are exposed to literature around the world. They are exposed to the, you know, they've got internet access, many of them. So I like to think some of them might come across a show like this one, you know, not to say I'm uh, uh, the greatest uh, expositor of Ayn Rand, but at least I'm mentioning her and encourage, encouraging people to read her. If you are watching this in Iran, read Ayn Rand. I like how that kind of rolls off the tongue, almost a tongue twister, actually. All right. No upcoming shows today. That's uh, the exception that proves the rule. So please support this channel uh, because the fact we have no upcoming shows today sort of highlights the fact that there's often many, many shows brought to you by the network. Special announcement this Sunday. This is actually a special announcement. This Sunday at 3.30 p.m. UK time, James Valiant is starting a study group on Leonard Peikoff's book, Objectivism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand, open to ARC UK members. So hit that join button or become a member on the ARC UK website link in the chat room. And even more special announcement, this Sunday at 6 p.m. UK time, it's The Weekly Objective with Rozzy on the moral defense of Liz Truss. So that's a pretty big announcement. First of all, The Weekly Objective, it's like The Daily Objective, but it's on a weekend, The Weekly Objective. And with Lord Emperor behind the scenes, Rozzy, you know, when he when he hosts a show, you know, he feels strongly about something. He's going to be morally defending Liz Truss. So uh, that'll be interesting. Tune in for that this Sunday at 6 p.m. UK time. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you for uh, allowing Nikos and I to uh, share our thoughts on this. And man, uh, be thankful this as you enter your weekend. Be thankful to be living in a basically free country as much as there is wrong with the, the West today and the mixed economies we must contend with. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than some of the alternatives out there these days. So uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Not for me. Enjoy it for you. Thank you all and goodbye.